The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? As always, thank you, Darlene. Last week on this show, my producer Bruce Bernstein and I went mano a mano on topics we don't normally handle, namely politics and the future of our country. We threw in a little NBA, but just enough to keep our jobs. This week, we welcome a former congressperson from California who's not only a sports fan, but has publicly admitted to buying Dodgers swag after they won the World Series. Welcome, Katie Hill. Hello. Thanks for having me. What went into the fashion purchase? Was it just one of those things where you were actually a Dodgers fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I I grew up a Dodgers fan forever. Um, But I and I had I had my Dodgers swag, but then I needed to get the World Series champs swag. So the real um, stuff. Yeah. And and my my last shirt, I've worn it so much that it's got holes in it. So I figured (laughs) I can retire that to a pajama shirt. And now I've got I've got some new ones. Um, I think it's but cool yeah, it was they, definitely like right after I got the the MLB email saying like whatever percent off, and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm a consumer, so I bought it. <laughs> my only real name drop in LA now is well, Jeannie Bus because she came on the program, the owner, uh, a while ago. But when I was uh, when I was like 15, we were, I was living in Hawaii, and I was a, I was I was a rickshaw driver, pedicab driver. I I took Magic Johnson around for a week. Oh, nice! And it was like he was. Uh, shoot he was almost he was only 19 he just gotten out of school and he hadn't joined the lakers but like i looked the other day like magic johnson got a ring for the dodgers because he he owns part of them i forgot about that that's right isn't that wild (laughs) good for him yeah yeah so so let's talk first of all your uh your podcast naked politics you've been doing that for how long now uh i guess about a month when that sounds right are you enjoying are you enjoying it I am. Yeah. I, I really it's not like a pain it. in the neck like mine is every week. No, it's fine. Well, no, I think I, I think it's just so casual and we're still like finding our feet on everything that yeah. you know, it's, it's not, there's, it's low, low pressure, I guess. And also I'm, I have, I don't have a contract with anyone. This is just me doing it for now. So sure. um, I guess it just gives the freedom to sort of talk about whatever you want to talk about and then kind of wing it. And the person, I have two people who help me with it, but they've worked with me on a million other things. So they just kind of, they just get me and where I want to yeah. go. It's, it's been pretty easy. And, and I just keep adding randomly episodes. I haven't gotten into like a, I'm like, Oh, I want to talk to this person. And then we just do an episode. So. Yeah. That's, those are the best kind. They fit, they feel more organic. And Definitely then, organic. <laughs> and, it, and it's not, uh, I don't know, scripted, so to speak. Yeah. Um, for, for my audience that doesn't know you as well as um, say if uh, Shaq came on or somebody else, um, please tell people you, you your Amazon best-selling book came out August 11th. Please feel free to promote it because I think it it will tell people a lot more than I could tell about you in many sure. ways. Well, so I was I guess I'll just do this how I was <laughs> how I was doing it. Um, I, I went on a road trip recently, and you know, out yeah. of out of context, 
I don't get recognized too often, especially when you're wearing masks and everything like that. And so I was in, I was in Montana and somebody, it was, you know, my, somebody was introducing me to somebody. And then of course you get into the, Oh, what do you do? And then I'm like, fuck, how do I answer that now? And so I was like, well, I do a podcast and they're like, what's the, pol- what's the podcast? And I'm like, Oh, it's called naked politics. And Oh, do you need to do anything else? I'm like, well, I wrote a book called she will rise. Um, and they're like, what's it about? And I'm like, uh, well, it's about me, I guess. Um, and they're making a movie out of it. And, um, and the person's like, why would they do that? And I'm like, well, okay. So do you remember last year there was a politician who resigned because of naked photos? Yeah, that was me. So, um, so I was, yeah, I, I basically, I was elected in 2018, uh, to Congress as one of the youngest women ever elected. Yeah. Uh, flipped a seat and um it was the at that point it was the last republican seat in la county um it's important and you took out your 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 opponent uh, that seat hadn't flipped in like 20 something years no it, yeah he was he was a two-termer but before that it was held by the same republican for decades and um, um yeah i mean in the in its current form had never been held by a democrat and um you know, but we won it by like eight points or almost nine yeah. points. So it was a huge, it was a huge victory. And well, so- anybody that doesn't know that area of California, uh, I had an uncle down there. I mean, it's, you have progressive California, then that's like a bastion of really uh, rigid conservative people yeah. that don't, that don't, they're just not, they're just not as progressive as many no, people there. No. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the district is, has Simi Valley in it, which a lot of people, you know, kind of know about Simi Valley. It's got the Reagan library there. Yeah. Um, it's got the Antelope Valley, which has a long history of, you know, pretty, pretty racist and very conservative stuff. Like the, the whole anti-gay marriage thing mm. in California, um, Prop 8 started mm. in, the Antelope Valley with the state legislature, the state legislator there who was dad of the guy who I ended up beating. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's a very purple district. Tons and tons of cops live there, firefighters, mm-hmm. nurses, teachers, very working class. It's like the suburb of LA, but it's growing and, you know, uh, it was a, it, yeah. So it was, it was, it was this really big victory. It felt like the district was changing enough that, you know, when I resigned, when I ultimately decided to resign, which was a really tough decision, that it would be able to stay in Democratic hands, um, but it didn't, and that was, you know, that was a big, that was a big surprise. And now we're still waiting. For, it didn't for the special election. Now we're waiting for the results of the, um, you know, this this most recent one, and it's it's dead. It's so close. It's within a couple hundred votes. So we'll see what happens. That party kicks yourself with. The, the Senate being so close and everything else that uh, it would have been, I don't know. Yeah, no, been, it's been, I mean, it's definitely been stuff to, to have to reconcile in terms of, did mm-hmm. I, did I do the right thing? And, you know, I certainly, I, I at the time it felt like the right thing. And, yeah. and um, I know that it was the right thing for me personally, but um, I don't, you know, it's not the ultimate outcome that, I would have liked, I would have felt a lot better if it stayed blue. So mm. you, you did the reverse Ginsburg. That's what I'm calling it. You, you got out early. She, she got out. Early. <laughs> I guess. It's uh, no. a really bad analogy. That's okay. Uh, um, I, I, I mean, during all the Ginsburg stuff, I, I kept um, saying, I kept equating it to like, why didn't we do the weekend at Bernie's thing? So, you know, I'm all, all right. <laughs> I'm with you with the, 
not yeah, no, yeah. Well, I, I just th- I just see a marketing boom right boom right now. The notorious Katie. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, that'd be tremendous. There you go. Um, One thing I I feel like I, uh, even though I knew your story a little bit, I feel like I've gotten to know you a little bit on social media, even peripherally. Uh You're you're where I am. You're like, what the is going on with our country? Yeah. Um, Look, I I could talk to you about everything, NBA social justice initiatives, all the things that I'd like to at some point. But but I really want to get the crux of where you are on. I mean, my take is is simply we can have red and blue, we can have liberal uh, and progressive, we can have Democrat and Republican, and that there are good people on both sides. I think that um, we have to deal with that. But I, I feel like this is like truth-telling America versus alternative reality America. And, and if you're on the wrong side of that one, you're like, you're gone. Like, yeah, how I don't do you, know how to help how you. How do you even yeah. rec- reconcile that? No, I know. It's it's so bizarre. And, you know, my, my dad's a Republican. He's always been a Republican. Yep. He I'm the first Democrat he ever voted for. He ultimately just didn't vote in the presidential this time because he's like, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump, but I still, I don't want to vote for Biden. So, yeah. you know, I, um, I was, I guess, but, but he's also, he, he's also like, well, it, it's over. He won. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. if, if Biden won. Um, and I think that there's, I don't understand. It's just, it's just this like, cult of personality and lying and, um, you know, manipulation of people that he, Trump, and all of his, um, you know, supporters up high have Mm. kept going with for the last, uh, beyond four years, I guess it's probably closer to six years now. And it's just, it's been made possible because the media allows it to happen. Um, And, you know, I don't, I don't know what the way out is until, until we start kind of actually living in the same reality, all of us. Well, it's a, like I see encouraging signs sometimes when like Neil Cavuto on Fox News, basically he cuts away from Kaylee yeah. McEnany's Prex conference. He's like, yeah. I can't in good conscience put this on the air. The, yeah. She doesn't have any evidence of, of wrongdoing. Yeah. And now, you know, God bless some of my colleagues in the media, they've actually gotten to the point where, They've ferreted out every possible uh, complaint, um, le- legality, and they're finding out there's no fraud. Or, or recently, there was a person in Philadelphia that came forward and said, "Yeah, I just made the thing up." <laughs> and so yeah. it's just the, to me, it's just it's so obvious. And yet, this person in the White House, Donald Trump, like I, I've never, like I can't, I can't imagine this. I guess politically, this is what I would ask you: if you're in their shoes, whoever it is, Lindsey Graham. Um, uh, Ted Cruz, somebody that feels um, that they might be scarred by Donald Trump if they don't have his back in this issue or something. I don't get, like, for, in my book, I would, if you walk away from him now, you, all, you almost can save face and maybe get another job in the GOP political machine if you're, a, if, if you're a, an aide or a thing. I don't get why yeah. you would be so loyal to an absolute nut. Well, the problem is he has fierce loyal followers that have now become the majority of what is currently the GOP. So, you know, people, people who are going to show up and vote for you in a primary um, are going to be people who support him and his ideology. And well, ideology, as far as we can call it that. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I think it's, I think it's Lindsey Graham won because of Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell won because of Donald Trump and, you know, the enthusiasm that he generated and, um, and they don't want to be 
you know, ahead of alienating his, his supporters, um, they both, just using those two as examples, like they're opportunists completely. And, um, you know, they, they know power and they're doing whatever they, I mean, Lindsey Graham, he hated Trump. Mitch McConnell hated Trump. And then, you know, they become his best friends um, for political convenience. And I'm quite sure once things settle down and once Biden is in office, then suddenly you're going to see Lindsey Graham become quite this like bipartisan, you know, doing stuff with Joe. Getting right, playing, playing both sides of the fence type stuff. Yeah. Either that or they go all in on the reverse and decide to be complete obstructionists like they were with Obama. Yeah. That's possible. Um, the more the more that these flames are stoked, the more that this narrative is allowed to kind of prevail or, and extend it, you know, that, that delegitimizes the election, I think the, the worse it's going to be. So I really, really hope that, um, you know, the, the, right now there have been, I think a dozen cases that they've, that the Trump, Trump and his allies have filed and all of them have been defeated in court already. So, uh, you know, there are other pending ones. And I think that I just hope that they, they play out quickly, that we do a recount quickly in whatever states need to, um, and just freaking move on as a country we need to be able to move on and if that means that trump's new role is is still going to be as kind of a, a figurehead for the republican party then they're going to have to figure that out so yeah. if yeah if you what does your gut say how long this thing goes on where there's no uh there, there's no real moment where trump says eh uh, okay, Biden's the president. I think he's going to try and push it out as far as possible. And honestly, really? I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to do something like change the date of the, you know, inauguration because he's and and that's not within his power. But doesn't mean he's not going to try. Yeah, he has all kinds of things that's not within his power. Um, and you know, that I think that he'll make the case that there's when I say he, let's be real, it's not just him. It's it's so many other people. Yeah. Um, but who make the case for how um, there's still something outstanding or we still don't have such and such resolved. And, you know, if you remember, he claimed voter fraud in the last election in 2016, even though he won because he didn't like that he didn't win the popular vote. Right. Well, that committee that they started or that commission that they started to investigate voter fraud, it met twice and it found nothing. And it like, even his own people couldn't find anything because it's so rare. And, um, you know, it's also bizarre because obviously if, if Democrats were rigging the election somehow, then we would have kept all those House seats and we certainly would have flipped the Senate. So the same <laughs> votes that you don't like um, that, that are, you know, making Joe Biden win are the same votes that also made Republicans win. So it's, um, it's a strange, hypocritical movement. And, and I, I, I don't see him conceding before the end of the year. Um, and even when he, if, and when he does like concede, it's going to be, it's going to be how it was unfair and how he was cheated and da, 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 da. And, you know, that has big ramifications and consequences for how people look at elections moving forward. And, and that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's me where I, I just look at it and I go, this is, I mean, treason might be strong, but the whole notion of uh, calling into question the purest form of American democracy, uh, the will of the people, the election. I, I don't know how you get away with that. I just don't, it just, it, it's sort of like you can do, you can do a lot of bad things in life, including, 
you know, child, uh, government-sponsored childhood abandonment at the border and all the awful things that his administration has been a part of. To, this one is, this one is just like saying, screw, fuck you, American people. We don't really care. Um, I'm going to do things the way I want to do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the exact awful. behavior that we see from dictators. And, right. you know, you've even seen him firing top defense officials right now. And, and you, you can't help but look at it as like, oh, my God, if this guy is left unchecked, then he's going to, he's plotting a coup, you know? Right. And um, so I think that that's, that's it, it's going to be a real test of, um, you know, America as, as we move into this, because there's never been a situation like this where there's a refusal to transition power um, in a legitimate election. And mm. um, I think it just sucks for so many people who are, who are like, okay, at least at the end of, end of the election, we'll be able to put it behind us, whatever it is. And it's just like, we're in this endless period of, of, I mean, we know the result, we know the winner, we know what's ultimately going to happen, but how ugly is it gonna to have to get before that does happen? Yeah, I'm with you. I'd be remiss today if I, we're taping this on Veterans Day, and I know you have a long history in your family. Um, if you don't mind, could you share the story of your brother? I think it's, it really um, it really make people stop and think today and yeah. tell people a little bit more about you. Yeah, um, so I resigned in at the end of October of 2019, and I thought it was like the darkest time I could experience, right? Yeah. Um, I was super depressed. I was suicidal. I like felt like, you know, I didn't know what, what everything meant. I was, you know, anyway, the darkest moment was not then it was, it came a couple of months later when, um, my mom had to have brain surgery. And, um, so my brother came back, he was, he was in the Navy, he was at Great Lakes and, uh, he had to come back or not had to, but he came back for the surgery. And um, while he was home, he, uh, he, he overdosed and he died of, uh, he, he did cocaine and, and he died of a fentanyl overdose because that's what, was mm. what it was laced with. And I was the one who found him. It was the day after my mom's surgery. Um, I did CPR on him. It was, it was absolutely horrible. He was 20 years old. Um, and he'd had problems with drugs when he was younger, but he'd cleaned up, he'd gone to, you know, yeah. gone to rehab, like serious, you know, rehab. And, um, you know, it was really important for him to join the Navy and to, to be able to, um, to turn his life around. And then I think with the, the stress and, and of, you know, what was happening with my mom and what was happening with me and, um, it all just kind of culminated and, and uh, he and he relapsed and he relapsed in in tragedy and um, you know he and I were super super close, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, figuring out how to kind of I don't know how to um, take that and make meaning of it and do something that feels like you're you're valuing his life and legacy um, is something that I think all of us are still trying to wrap our heads around in terms of my family. Uh, it's just brutal. I, when I, I, people always um, put people in boxes and they love to label them. And I, th- I think that like, that was just, a, when I saw that, it was just, it was crushing on many levels. I got talked into doing this 22 push-ups a day for 22 straight days thing recently. And I always hate these challenges. They're kind uh-huh. of, va- they're kind of vanity things where like, yeah. you got to film yourself on Facebook. But right. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I- I'm getting older. I, I could do 22. Well. <laughs> but but like what it was for was for the 22 symbol was 
the 22 combat vets per day on average uh, commit suicide a day, mm -hmm. 22. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and I don't know, I just but tell people your brother's name. So we don't. Yeah, so Dan Danny Bennett. And, Danny Bennett. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and uh, he, yeah, I mean, he was, he was trying for the seals and it just yeah. like, it was just, you know, such, I hate when people say it's wasted life or wasted potential because I don't, I can't think about it that way, but like there was, it, it's hard to sort of, you know, reconcile the, the, the future that he could have had. So, yeah. yeah. And, and it makes your situation almost at that point, almost feel like nothing. Oh yeah. Your brother yeah. dies. I mean, yeah. And put it completely into perspective. Like that's not, yeah. that's not, yeah. yeah not what matters um you've you've obviously d uh detailed your own personal meltdown i don't even know if i would call it a meltdown in some ways because i think we all we you know we go through life we make mistakes god forbid like i think i got my job at the new york times when i was 30 i was a hayseed from sacramento i didn't know what i was doing like god forbid if i had in like this is like mid 90s if i had uh if I had the exposure and everything you did that, like people were writing about me at then, I would have just been, it, it would have been so, uh, not, not just invasive, but I would have felt like my life isn't my life. It's yeah, everybody it, else's life now. And, and I got to think when, you know, I don't know the guy, but when your ex-husband, you know, like, uh, you know, sends pictures out over the internet, just does the most awful thing possible to invade your own sanctity. And and every little detail of your private life, um, real or imagined, yeah. is on Earth. It's that's awful. I can't even imagine. Yeah, or no. And I've had, you know, so many so many women and, and even men who have been victims of cyber exploitation that have talked to me since then, and just said that you know you talking about it and you 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 kind of continuing to show up and um, yeah. and try to take ownership of it. You know, I mean, the fact that my podcast is called Naked Politics is is a uh, is an attempt to kind of take that back, right? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I was in an, I've talked about this a lot, but I was in an abusive marriage, and I left, and he said he I left um, about six months into my congressional career. I tried to leave before, but it was before the election, and he said that if I left, he'd ruin me. Um, and then finally, it it was just enough that I I knew I had I had to actually leave, and I like my dad. Mm -hmm. The police officer came with me to make sure that I was safe and you know, he was incredibly volatile. And, um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, sure enough, like a few, I felt like I was kind of in the clear for a few months and I had this like respite where, where I felt, you know, huge relief and happiness. And I was able to totally, you know, commit myself to, to the work and everything like that. And then it just came down like a hammer when, you know, the, the pictures came out and he, we found out that he basically had shopped them around to, um, you know, to the Republican operatives in my district who were looking for a way to take me out. And, um, and, you know, this was, I had, I had started dating him when I was 16 years old. And um, so there's just this like level of trust and in, invasion. And, um, and I think there really is, even if you're confident and you, you know, I'm, I'm all about being body positive and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, even when you have that, like these, your pictures being out there were not for anyone else. In, in my case, there were even pictures that I didn't know he'd taken. Mm. And, um, and there's certainly not the, I mean, he, they were ones that were designed to not only, you know, humiliate you in terms of a, a 
you know, whatever the, the scandal piece was, but, but also like they weren't good pictures. Like I, I, I know I can be, I know I can be pretty good looking and those were not the good pictures. So, you know, I, I think it's- These weren't the, uh, this, this wasn't your airbrushed Playboy shoe. No, no. Uh, no. You're right. Like, I, uh, although funny enough that I, I had an article in Playboy about me, a feature in Playboy that, w- that came out the next, um, yeah. right afterwards. And, you know, I wasn't naked for those, but in hindsight, I kind of wish like, man, I should have just, <laughs> just gone all in. Right, right. You know, so you, you know, yeah, this is, what the, this is what it really looks like, kids. Yeah. Um, all right, so I, one, I salute your your openness to um, you and you still identify as bisexual, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. You know, yep. I, I can't imagine like just that known alone. I have a I have a nephew who's uh, who's trans and just a great guy, and I, he's he was Amelia, now he's Marcus, yeah. and he's like, do you sound like we love you? You can yeah. call yourself you call yourself anything but Trump, and we love you. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. <laughs> so so like it doesn't matter and. And um, I just think, I feel like, I don't want to like go too much into it because you've been in Washington and, and you've been in bigger rooms than I have. And I know that there's some weird thing where Democrats and Republicans get together for a party sometimes and you go, wait a minute, I thought you guys hate each other. But I feel like Biden, like he gets the LBGTQ thing. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I think he gets it and he understands it. And irrespective of whatever his Catholic beliefs are or not, he's, ser- he's very clear about you know the, it's okay to love who you you know love totally. is love and, totally. and uh, I think that that's big and I really I love how he you know he has his catholic faith and I think he he's clearly self-studied a lot uh, around his the scripture and his religion and everything mm-hmm. and I think he I, I really respect how um you know it's not it shows that religion doesn't have to be hateful, right? And that that there's a that there's a space for you know tolerance and acceptance and love, and that that's in fact the best thing that you can do. So, yeah, um, I'm with. We're this is one of those podcasts where we're you know if it were really great, we would just be going at each other the whole time, and we get great downloads. Mm-hmm. I just agree with everything you said, and that's why I had you on. Oh well, there, <laughs> there we go. Um, but, uh, Laura Ingram on Fox famously said, shut up and dribble uh, to LeBron James because they're, and we've met, part of the, part of this show has really been about uh, the social justice movement and really the modern social justice movement of athletes and LeBron James is sort of at the forefront of it. And of course, I'm just wondering like your thoughts when you watch sports or you, you, you enjoy them. Do you, I mean, to me, like, I think it's great that these guys are using their platform to speak out, but some people don't feel that way. I think that first and foremost, everybody is a person, you know, their occupation is secondary Mm -hmm. and uh, for athletes, their profession, they have a professional occupation, but they are allowed to be who they are independent of that. And, um, and that means, you know, you build up a platform, you build up a, a following and people who, who admire and respect you and, um, and watch you because of that. And, and you get to say what you want to say. If they don't like it, they can still respect the game you play and, and, and value you as a player, but they don't have to, you know, they don't have to like your beliefs. It doesn't matter. It's not up to them. And, mm. you know, I think about Tom Brady, right? He's, we can all respect how he plays. And, um, and yet he's, he's, Pro Trump. He talks about being pro Trump, and is he still? I well, thought Giz- I, I guess thought I don't Giz- know. How... I thought Giselle got to him, but maybe you're right. Maybe I don't know. Still... I haven't seen. I haven't seen any updates. I just kind of 
Bruce, Bruce, you're Bruce, you're a New Englander. Do you know anything about Tom Brady and whether or not he's still pro-Trump? Um, I haven't. I haven't heard anything about him talking politics lately because now he plays for Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I don't yeah, hang on every question. word like I used to, where I thought yeah. he was a god. Now he's. But he's a Florida voter. God. That's that's big next election. He's a Florida voter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, God, what a, uh, a good thing to them too. <laughs> um, uh, we were thinking uh, the other day we were t um, talking about how one of the big things in sports now is um, involves tra transgender athletes competing against uh, cisgendered athletes and is it when we were asking who is it fair for someone who began life in a male body to compete against females and I don't know if I've come around to my answer on that I wonder what you thought yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's tricky. I actually gave a, a speech when we were passing the Equality Act in Congress, and this was June, I think, of maybe May of 2019, and um, it was you know the 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 reasoning that the Republicans gave for not wanting to pass it was the whole idea of transgender people competing in sports, and it was just such an absurd. I mean, we're talking about basic rights, you know, in terms of of the Equality yeah. Act and pro providing basic civil protections um, had nothing to do with people being transgendered and playing sports. And that's a, you know, that's policy that's set. I, I think that it's up to the, um, it's up to each individual sport to figure out what, what needs to, what needs to happen um, to account for, you know, uh, biological differences. But, you know, I don't, I, I'm very mixed on, on it too, because there's, you know, the, there's not there's not an easy answer, right? Like men and mm. women, there are women who have that are competitive in sports who have always, you know, been the female sex and are still higher testosterone and mm -hmm. bigger and everything like that than you know some people who have um, transitioned and and so, uh, but the human human biology is very complicated and it's and it's um, as we as we try to kind of figure this out. I think that it's going to be incumbent on the professions and the, you know, at the collegiate level, high school and, and beyond um, to figure out what makes, what makes sense within their bounds to make it fair. Mm, uh, Certainly not a government role. I'm with, I'm with you. A um, couple things before I let you go. The, oh, I really, I don't know if you're involved in the homeless like you used to be, but, but I, I, I want to say you were the former executive director of people assisting the homeless in uh, the statewide nonprofit organization um, working to end homelessness throughout California. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It was that I did that for 10, almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, path. Yep. And so I've been really involved in the homeless in DC, especially the oh. K, Street, K street underpass people. Oh yeah. And, and I just feel like there's so Oh man, I don't know what to say. I, I guess I would say that while Muriel Bowser um, talks a good game, I feel like there's there's, there's this there's this harassment going on, and, there, and especially during COVID, like the notion that they're going down there and and steam blowing the streets and making these guys move their tents, and if they're not there, they take all their belongings. It's just so many things uh, in the whole in the whole. You know, I, I don't even call them homeless. I just call them people experiencing homelessness because it's, we, try, we, get, do, we do that too. I mean, it's the, because you get to know them and they're people and they're just like you know, all of us in life are you know a, a couple bad decisions away from that or you know? tragedies, right? Like right. It's it, it's in many cases not even bad decisions and like the we 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 very intentionally changed our language and and talked about it that way too. Right. It's not homeless people it's people experiencing homelessness and that matters because you know 
you don't say it's a cancer person. It's somebody who has cancer or has had cancer or is a survivor. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that that's a, it's an important way for us to frame, to frame it so that we, that we recognize that they are people and they're not just, they're not just this label. And one of the most impactful things that, um, someone ever said to me when I was, when I was, you know, in the field on, uh, working on, on the issue is that I, you know, I just, you'd go, you'd do outreach, you'd go up, you'd, you'd shake their hands. And some people who worked in it would like, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't shake people's hands or would immediately hand sanitize, like even in front of them. And, um, and I just remember this was like, right when I'd started, I, I shook a guy's hand and, and he just said, he like, he like started crying and he's like, just thank you for seeing me as a person. And I don't remember the last time someone shook my hand and, um, you know, it, it, but it, it's, it's tragic. It's really hard. I mean, you, you have people who in, in DC constantly in LA too, who are, you know, on the side of the roads asking for money and panhandling. And, and I have, uh, I have mixed feelings about that too. Um, but I also feel the pull to like, just, I don't even care if you go buy a beer with it. I would want to well, buy a beer with it too. If it were me. You know, this is interesting. Cause a guy that his name's Aaron, uh, Sousa, he, he's like getting his PhD at American University. He helped me do it down there when I was doing some homeless stories for CBS and DC. And he basically said, like, um, I, I go, I don't give them money because I don't give uh, people that are homeless money because I think that they're you know, might use for drugs. And he goes, you know, you can say that, but he goes, one of the biggest things with people down there that I get, like, if I give them a dollar, they love that I do that because it gives them the choice of what to do with it. It's sort of like almost a sort of, well, you trust me enough to use, to yeah. use this for food or yeah. water. And, and as he said, it's, and I don't go down there and give a big buck, but now if I got a few dollars and I don't have like extra, you know, leftover pizza, I'll give them a dollar, you know, yeah. if they need it. Cause it's like, you know, what you do with this is up to you. It's like, what, yeah, I'm choosing- who, am I, who am I to say that I should, I should judge every second of your life. Right. right. Yeah. No, I, and cause God, I'm, I, I, people who didn't have mental health issues before becoming homeless or who didn't have addiction problems before yeah. becoming homeless, like the chances of developing it while you live on the streets are so high because of, you know, the trauma. of yeah. and, um, and so, yeah, I've kind of, you know, the, the, earlier on the philosophy at PATH was like, you don't want to, you, you want to make it, um, you want to give people incentives to come inside and to get shelter and help yeah. and move into housing. And I still agree with that to a certain extent, but there's just no, to me, there's no real positive and passing judgment. And it's just like, yeah, I don't care if, if I'm choosing to give you $2 or $3 or $5, yeah. you get to do with it what you want. I, yeah. I just like humanizing these people, like showing who they are. Like, Oh yeah. You could do stories on these people. And then at the end of it and say, Oh yeah, they happen to live here. And you would go, whoa, what an amazing yeah. life. Um, yeah, I'm going to, when we get down, I'm going to send you a couple stories I did. Yeah, I, awesome. I bet you we can collaborate on to think about great. something because I think you, you have so much expertise in that area. I know it's still near and dear to your heart. Oh, very much so. so. And it's, you know, it's so, so pervasive. It's everywhere. It's, yeah. it's getting worse. And, yeah. and it boils down to income inequality and a lack of affordable housing and that you can't build your way out of it because it's just too expensive. And our safety net is, is not, is not there. I mean, you know, what, one of the more common groups that we had that became homeless were people who were living off of social security. They were, they were uh, older and they, you know, got priced out of their, their Mm -hmm. rent and they just had nothing else. And, 
um, you know, you get maybe a thousand bucks for social security for some of them and, and maybe 1500 and 2000 and, and they just, they can't live off of that in places like LA yeah. or here. And, um, you know, so there's different levels, there's different, uh, types of homelessness, there's chronic homelessness, there's, you know, um, people who are, who, who might be just need a little bit of help because they're yeah. in the additional phase, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough and it needs major investment. And I'm hopeful that, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm hopeful that a Biden, I know a Biden administration will do much better than a Trump Care administration. More about that. It's just a matter I, of the resources. Yeah, I think so. I, I hope so. We, one of the guys we interviewed down there, he was, he, Anthony Solomon's name, he had a job at the VA. He was doing custodial work, but he worked full time. And he was, I said, how can you live in a tent? And he goes, well, one DC's, you know, and I go, well, how much do you make? And he goes about 30,000, you know, a little over 30,000. He said, well, and I go, why don't you get a housing voucher? And he goes, if you make over 30,000, you can't get a housing housing voucher. They're the basically telling him not to work. Too. I mean, it's, it's impossible to even get on a wait list for, yeah. Um, you know, many major cities and communities have um, have had the wait lists shut down for years because there's just no more room on them. Yeah. All right. Lightning round very quickly here. Um, uh, you could use one word, one sentence to describe someone. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Mitch McConnell. Turtle. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Oh, gosh. I feel Joe like that Bob might not be... I mean, he's he's kind of more like an evil mastermind that looks like a turtle. Yeah, so. yeah but he looks like he's going to go back into his shell. You're right. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, let's go with um, uh, Kamala Harris. Madam Vice President. Madam Vice President-elect. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, do you know her? Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually one of the first people who endorsed her for her initial presidential run. Um, she's good. She's good people, right? From what you know. People. She's really good people. And, um, you know, she's, she's, she's going to work her butt off. I can't yeah. tell you that much for sure. She's smart. And uh, I think she's going to have a, a, you know, she's going to be an, a, a critical asset in the Biden mm. administration. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with uh, Lindsey Graham. Oh. just a slimy motherfucker like that's the only thing that i can that's perfect <laughs> right no he's, he just like one of these guys who he'd be talking to you and he'd take your wallet while he was trying to smooth talk he's just an awful person yeah and just like um, like just has no shame completely turning around what he'd said before and just being like yeah, yeah. So. No, you're right. Um, if Politico or Roll Call did a body issue, a la ESPN, the body issue, would you be a candidate? Wait, is that where they do the, the like, the shots? The, the yeah, yeah, like, they put you in really, um, uh, you're almost, you're naked, but you're, like, sort of, like, I always cover up the private parts, but but they, it's, like, really, like, looks, you know, you either look strong or whatever you are, you know, natural. If, if I were asked and I had enough time to, like, get in shape, then yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've already I've already signed on to the dad bot issue. There you it's, go. It's, there you it's go. It's incredible. Um, it won't sell, but um, yeah. uh, and yeah. uh, and it, I guess my last one, um, Katie Hill, um, post um, post resignation versus Katie Hill versus pre pre resignation. All the things. What what would what would what would that person tell 
Um, what would the person in the future tell the person in the past if they had to tell them one thing? You're resilient, you know, because I, I wouldn't I like want that. to, I wouldn't want to forewarn because I think I need, I feel like everything I did before I needed to do and I wouldn't have wanted to scare myself off. So, you know, mm. just that I, I guess saying some shit's going to come your way, but you can handle it. So. <laughs> I like that. Some shit's going to come your way. Yeah. Well, this, this has been great. It's something different we haven't done before. Um, we've had different guests on that talked about different things, but this is, this is awesome. Yeah, and, thank uh, you. and thanks for coming on. And, uh, and yeah, I really, um, I, uh, I'll think of your, your brother, Danny Bennett today and, and make sure that I think that's, a, you know, you, you pay tribute to him in great ways every day. Thank you. That was dope. Thanks to our guest, former member of Congress from California, Katie Hill, who does own Dodger swag. Thanks to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. Please listen to all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court Press has the best in college basketball with a new show every Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is here every Wednesday with great guests and discussions. And Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica and King is here every Thursday. BJ and Eric have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday, and I'm back with the Mike Wise Show every Monday. Please wear your mask in public and do not rush the field if your football team wins a game, you knucklehead Notre Dame people. And don't be complacent. COVID is still killing people. Until next week, stay safe, everybody. Aloha. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.